Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. We're in the season of Advent, and you know what? Advent isn't about a calendar. There wasn't like a chocolate trail to Bethlehem. Um, if you didn't know that, then um, hi, <laughs> welcome to church. And uh, we're in a season of Advent. And what Advent is, is it's a celebration of hope. And that traditionally in the church calendar spans like the four Christmases, four Christmases, it's like <laughs> four Sundays that lead up to Christmas. Um, so this is the, what the, you know, the traditional church would call like the, the C of E church. I'd say this is the, the first Sunday in Advent. It's kind of like a big thing. Because Advent means arrival. And for us, it means Christmas. It's the arrival of Jesus. And Jesus is better than any MacBook, any whatever it is that you're after. It's the greatest gift ever given to the world. But here's the thing. Jesus did not arrive without a wait. So here's the good news for you today. Advent is for waiting. It's about waiting for salvation. We begin the story of Christmas not by celebrating, but by waiting. We're waiting for God to act. And if you read the Bible, you can just turn the page and and you can move swiftly from the end of the Old Testament into the New Testament and Matthew with just a turn of a a page or a swipe of a hand or whatever, however you read the Bible. But it wasn't like that at the time. It didn't just, it wasn't like a New Year's Eve, like the millennium or the start of a new year where it's just old's gone, new's gone, it flicks to midnight and like, hey, Old Testament, we're in the New Testament now, like... Can you imagine, like, last, last minute was like the Old Testament, no, no, there was like, it was 400 years of silence that spanned the gap between the final prophecies in the book of Malachi, which is the last Old Testament book, and the birth of Christ. 400 years, 400 years of waiting, 400 years of hearing nothing from God, no voices, no prophets, nothing, nada, zilch. You can imagine that if you're a Jew, at that point in time, you'd be asking questions. How's God gone? Was he ever here in the first place? Are we just wasting our time trying to keep out these, living out in faith, these promises that we've been given? Because you've been waiting 400 years. That's, I can't think how many generations that is, but it's a lot. Because, you know, people didn't live so long back then. It's a lot. It's a lot of lives of people waiting. And then suddenly, the time was right. The wait was over. The silence was broken. Jesus was born. God in human form. The Son of Man, the Bible says, the Son of God became the Son of Man. Emmanuel, God with us. And what the Christmas story does is it reaffirms our faith. And we have the opportunity to celebrate God's love for us, that he sent his one and only Son into the world to die for our sins, to to be guilty for the things that we were guilty for, and to give us a freedom. And we can all struggle with our own lives, our own sense of silence, where we're not hearing, and we're wanting to see God at work in our own lives. So Christmas comes as a timely reminder, hopefully, that God does come through on his promises. Because Advent and December in general, sadly, like... I'm, I'm, I'm a bit on the fence. I quite like the Christmas stuff, and I hate it in sort of 50-50. <laughs> don't know if it's just like blokes. We went to the designer outlet the other day, um, Friday, Pat Friday, <laughs> bad idea. 
I didn't even think, because I thought Black Friday was a week before. It seems to be like Black Fortnite, right, now? <laughs> but um, but uh, we got there, and we were there like 5 p.m. and literally gone to get a coffee, because we'd been, like, we were both just knackered. And we thought, we'll nip in, get a coffee, and then come, come back home, because we were passing. And then there was, like, cars on this park. I've never seen, like, carnage. Like, I've seen that place busy, and then... There were cars parked on the central reservations as you tried to get in, all along the verges. Like, just people, it looked like there'd been like a storm and people just abandoned cars, right? What I did like, can you tell it's Yorkshire? Premium parking, five pounds, half full. <laughs> so, you can see it, it's like, well, we're going to walk, we'll walk a few miles, I ain't paying five pounds from Yorkshire than us. But it's, it's like, that's what it can be like. Advent, December. It's a dash of, it's mad, it's a mad dash. Shopping, fighting the crowds. I remember I used to work in the centre of York and trying to work, walk from sort of where, if you know York HSBC to, um, on Parliament Street there, to, to, to like sort of where, the, um, what's it called, Banyan, whatever it's called now, it's just changed, isn't it, the bar around the back of Stellgate there. It took me like 20 minutes just to do something that would normally take five minutes because you've got the York pause, right? We all know, we all get frustrated with the people that just like walk in front of you and then they just stop, look up and, like, and then you're fighting through the crowds of like everyone and you're like, I need to get to work, I don't care about any of you, I'm in a hush, rush to get to work. It's mad, it's, you're fighting people, you're trying to find that perfect gift, feeling the pressure, going to all the lengths to have the perfect Christmas day, get all the food in, get all the shopping, get everything time right, get up at the right time, make sure the food's going to be cooked, just to have that perfect, perfect day with friends and family. And in the process, what we create is a perfect storm of anxiety that means that we miss exactly what God's got for us. So for many of us, the season that marks the arrival of the Prince of Peace, ironically, has left us feeling stressed, alone, poor, and completely peaceless, not full of peace. It ain't right. (laughs) I'm not having to go shopping or anything like that, but we've just got to... This isn't what it's about. It's not what it's about. It doesn't have to be like this. Advent is about waiting. Now, just for the fellas, I want to say this. That doesn't, when I say waiting, I mean, that doesn't mean going to all the shops on Christmas Eve. <laughs> like, it's not that kind of waiting. It's different. It's like spiritual. It's waiting, you know. Yeah, just, just see that. Don't, I don't want to get told off that, like, well, we're waiting to buy the presents and then that mad dash on Christmas Eve and they've all sold out, you know. Advent is about waiting and hoping in God. But that is the problem, isn't it? Because we really do not like waiting, do we? None of us like waiting. We see waiting as not having. We see waiting as wasting, basically. We don't want to wait. Who's ever paid for priority boarding? <laughs> the fast, the, 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 the express queuing, whatever you know, the theme parks where you can just jump right to the front or you can get to the front of the museums if you prepay a bit more and, like, and you can get right to the front because we don't, it's conditioned that we don't like to wait. We see like having to endure a wait. The only thing where people like waiting is like, I think is the Jorvik where people love waiting. It's all part of the queue and like, it's, it's part of the experience. And like Betty's, that's another one, isn't it? It's like, hey, it's in the morning this time, they're queuing outside the door. Like, it's all part of the experience. But generally, we don't like waiting. None of us like it. I think we're all in the same boat. We all look for the shortcut. Because waiting assumes a kind of poverty. We've got to wait. We wait because we're, we're lacking something. And in the age of Amazon Prime, where you can have it same day, next day, Instagram, age of culture, uh, cultivating like the perfect image of who we want people to think we are, we've been ashamed of having to wait. It's just like, I'm not going to wait. 
It's just not something that we do anymore. And in our waiting, I think it feels a little bit like the embarrassment, if you've ever done this, of sitting alone at a table for two and telling the waiter that your date will arrive. <laughs> Any moment. And it's all right, because there's just you and your phone. You're never alone with a phone, are you? But uh, you're inwardly, inwardly, you're feeling that shame that you've been stood up, that embarrassment, that our waiting's been in vain. We feel ashamed, we feel embarrassed. We're thinking they're probably talking about us when he's been stood up. Yeah, <laughs> see how long this one lasts. But here's the message of Advent. None who wait for God will be put to shame. Psalm 25, it says this. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my, o my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Maybe this morning you're feeling ashamed. You're feeling fed up. You're feeling restless. You're anxious because something important is missing in your life. And I just want to say this, keep waiting. God will come. That is the story of Advent. Yeah. We just sang that powerful song, Take courage, my heart, stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. Sorry? He's in the what? He's in the waiting. Uh, I want it now. No, it's in the waiting. He's not, they didn't write, he's in the now, he's coming now. No, he's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. You know, the story of Advent is really captured in Luke chapter 1 in the New Testament. And it says this. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So let's give a bit of a backstory to this. The Jews, had, they'd been waiting for a king for centuries. And then finally, in the year 37 BC, minus 37, <laughs> finally, this guy Herod becomes a king. There were a few King Herods, but this is one that we call Herod the Great, even though he wasn't really great, but he was like the first. So he's not really, he's Herod the Great, but he's not great. He was actually pretty nasty by all accounts. The Jewish people, they'd been praying and waiting for centuries for a righteous king to turn up, and they're disappointed by this guy, who didn't help them. He made their lives worse. And worse still, he was like a puppet for the ruling Roman government. So he made the life of Jews miserable, and their hope for a righteous and good king seemed miles away. It says that Zechariah was a country priest, and the Bible says that he and his, his wife Elizabeth were blameless. But that blamelessness didn't lead to blessedness, to use like a Christian phrase, because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And as the years go by, you think they've been hoping, they've been praying for a child, but it hasn't happened. They're getting older and still no kids. And as well, he's like a priest, yeah? Like, that's like a big deal at the time. And, and, and at that time, it's not right that this is how the society viewed it, but the women that couldn't conceive were looked down on. It was like almost like they'd been cursed by God that they couldn't conceive. So you can imagine what people around there would be saying, hang on, this guy's a man of God but you can't have kids. Why is God not giving you kids? What have you done wrong? You know, you can imagine what, what people might have been thinking. What have you done to annoy God? What have you done wrong for God not to give you a child? Now, 
If you ever read the Bible, then you can probably guess where this story goes. Because there's a good few situations like this in the Bible that crop up from time to time. There are a good number of women in the Bible that couldn't conceive, not just Elizabeth. We've got in the Old Testament, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, the wives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All barren, as the Bible called it. Then there was Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel, and also Manoah's wife, who the Bible doesn't even name her, just said that he had a wife. But, but, um, but she's the mother of Samson, one of the judges. That's just a few examples in the Bible of people, as the Bible calls, they were barren, they had no kids. But Zechariah and Elizabeth, they knew that, but they'd given up hope. The years had become decades, and they were just too old. But then Zechariah, he had to go and do a turn uh, of duty in the city as a priest, in a big temple in the city of Jerusalem. And it was a big thing, like, you know, we'll probably all disagree with me, but it's like, kind of like if we go to London, it's like, oh, I get to go to the big city and, like, you know, I'm going to be busy and I'm actually get to go and, like, work in the main place, you know, like, I work for, and if I get to go to, like, our York office is, is like, all right, but if I get to go to, like, the, the one in London, that's, like, where, like, the proper people are. <laughs> that's where I have to get, like, properly searched and I go for all the anti-terror stuff. And, like, and it takes you half an hour to get in. And like, they even scan my pret, my pret mandri sandwich. Like, it's like, really? That has to go through the thing? Yeah. And like, it's a bit insane. But like, it's like, that, but that's where like, the people are that like, are in charge. It's like kind of that, oh, I get to work in a big city. Like, if you've ever been, you know, those things where you go to a head office, this is kind of like what's going on. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. You can, you can imagine. <laughs> and the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drinks, like strong drinks, alcohol, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many, many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord and Zechariah asked the angel how can I be sure of this I am an old man and my wife is well along in years and the angel said to him I am Gabriel maybe not like that <laughs> but I like to say I am Gabriel you know, I kind of like to imagine like Morgan Freeman or someone like that standing there I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. 
none who wait for God shall be shamed. Zechariah, he's gone into that temple, he's seen the angel Gabriel standing there, and then the angel Gabriel says, God's heard your prayer. Not prayers, prayer, singular. But he knew which one he meant, the one that he'd been praying for years, the one that he'd been praying for decades. I'm sure he'd been praying for other stuff as well, but he knew which prayer he was on about. But he didn't say it was going to happen immediately. He had to fill out his duty, he had to wait. And then here's the thing, God didn't just give them a son, he gave them a prophet. God arrived. They'd been waiting for years, but now they had a son, John. And if you don't know who this guy is, this is John, as in John the Baptist. He'd paved the way for Jesus. He would actually go on and baptize Jesus. It says in the text, it's a bit weird when you look at it, it says, you must not drink wine or fermented drink. Why? It's like, before he's born, it's like, okay, why not? Here's the thing, John the Baptist is not the party. John the Baptist is the one that goes around and says, there's a party that's going to happen. There's a party that's coming. There's a party that's about to begin. Jesus is the one that turns the water into wine. John the Baptist is Advent. Jesus is Christmas. Luke, he goes on to say that when Elizabeth was six months pregnant, the angel Gabriel appeared again. This time in a, a little village called Nazareth, where he appears to Elizabeth's cousin Mary. And he's there to announce another birth story. This time it's the Christmas story. And I'm afraid we're going to have to wait for that. <laughs> but I called this talk this morning, and it's my first sort of question for you, is what are you waiting for? Not what are you waiting for, but what are you waiting for? What are you? <laughs> Thanks, Jody. We all are. <laughs> I think we're all waiting for something. Are you waiting for a family? Are you waiting for a relationship? Are you waiting for recovery? Are you waiting for health? Are you waiting for a situation to be resolved? Do not lose hope. Because Elizabeth waited for God and he turned up. So here's a few thoughts for those of us who are waiting to take from this morning, okay? You still with me? So here's the first thing. God works while we wait. God works while we wait. We hate waiting. We think that waiting is wasting time, but it's not with God. God works while we wait. We sang that before. Even though I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never start working. Yeah? There's power in these words that we sing. There's power in them. It says in the book of Lamentations, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. <coughs> waiting and then waiting quietly are two whole different things. <laughs> a guy that we saw at Hillsong, a pastor in America, a great guy called Louis Giglio, he said this, waiting is never wasted when you are waiting on God. God works while we wait. That's number one. Second thought is this, a delay is not a denial. That's a saying that we use in global. A delay is not a denial. They've spoken about this loads of times before, that while we're waiting for something, sometimes God's just got to move the furniture around elsewhere. He's got to move other people around. He's got to, it's not about us. It's never about us anyway. That's the message of Christianity. But, um, <laughs> all right. um, but in this case, it's really not about us. He's, wait, he's moving the pieces around for our breakthroughs to happen. We just can't see it. 
So we think that we've been denied because we're impatient and we're waiting. And like we're, we're, you've got to remember, we're cultivated into this. I look at some stuff on Amazon thinking, next day, really? That's a bit slow. You know? Like, you remember, like, I was thinking, like, photos now, like, you remember having to go and get them developed? So those of us had film cameras, and, and then one hour was amazing. And you'd pay a premium, because I'm a sucker for it. One hour, wow. Like, and then and I couldn't get, my dad would send these things off, and they'd come back, like, a week later. I was like, I can't remember the holiday. Like, like a week? Are you kidding me? We're not good at waiting. But there's a difference between a no and a not yet. Timing is everything. There's a 400-year gap between the Old and the New Testament. And we can't fathom it. Why could we? We can't even, like, we can maybe fathom decades, but we don't live to see centuries, so we don't get it. But at the right time, God moved. Here's the thing. Annoyingly, God doesn't come at our chosen time. We can't book him in. We can't send him a calendar invite. Can't invite him to the party like that. As much as we might like him to do, he comes at the right time. He comes at his time. So if you're wondering this morning if God's forgotten you, grab hold of this story. This story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. He's not abandoned you. He's not abandoned you. The next thought is this. Choose God's word and God's way. You know, we can be really good at running away from something at the first sign of trouble. Anyone else like me at that? Oh, that's looking, I thought it was going to be easy. It's not. Um, changed my mind. Not going to do that. Going to move, going to do something else. We're good at running away. It's really easy to make new plans. Who's good at looking for shortcuts? Yeah. yeah anyone driving, like the people that, you know, the weaving, that we weave in and out of the, say, I'm not driving at the minute, but I've done it. You're weaving in and out of the lanes because that lane's going quicker. And, like, and, then that, and you're like, oh, well, no, oh, no, it's that one over there now. So we're going to cross three lanes of traffic. And the, the experts tell us that this is what causes the queues in the first place. And, and deep down, I think we all know that, but we don't adhere to it. Like, because we're just like, yeah, but I need to get there. I don't care about you. Like, I need to get there. I don't care that you're having a baby. I need, I'm hungry. Like, <laughs> I, I, need, I need a coffee right now. Like, you can just back off with whatever situation you've got ongoing in your car. It's not as important as mine. I should have the hard shoulder opened up just for me. <laughs> Do they not know that I've not eaten in an hour? <laughs> this is what it's like, isn't it? We look for the shortcut. What's the other way around? Let's go down there. Let's go through. It's easy to make those new plans and look for the shortcuts instead of just waiting it out because we hate waiting. It says this in Isaiah. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. This is what the Lord's saying, by the way. He said, no, we will flee on horses. You said, sorry, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore you feel, yeah, sorry, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will, fl will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away. So you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. God knows what we're like. He knows, he knows that we'll just, at the side, we, we're tempted, our temp, what is it, um, we've got that conditioning where it's like fight or flight, you know, like when whatever chemicals that get released, where we're getting ready to like, you know, leg it or, or start a, a fight. It's in us, he knows, what, he knows our characters. But it says this, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. 
Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is the God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Isaiah chapter 30. You know, choosing God's word and God's way is the best guide and the best way to go. No shortcuts. The payoff of doing things God's way is always better. But we will get attacked in our thinking by the enemy. You know, we had an amazing praise night on Sunday night, didn't we, last last Sunday. Seems weird it's a week ago already. We're going to do another one, by the way, because the feedback's been really good. But we'll probably leave it for a few months to release the time. Um, but it, just, it was just great if, you, if, you've not, if you didn't come, come to the next one. They're, they're really powerful. But we taught them that we are in a battle. Every single one of us is in a spiritual battle. That, that there is an enemy, a real and present enemy. And, and in this day and age, we don't like to clock that. And some of us are like happy to talk about God, but we don't like to talk about the devil, the accuser. He says, did God really say? I heard this the other day and I thought, it's great. He said, you know, the first time a question mark was used in the Bible was by the devil. There you go. Just all of those that want to question everything. Not that we have to be <laughs> submissive to absolutely everything, but did God really say? Mm-hmm. Is it really like that? What about all this? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go that way. Those little voices that come into our head while we're waiting. You know, God's left you. It's, what are you doing? Idiot. You look an idiot standing there on your own waiting for that. It's never going to happen. You're deluded. You think you're going to have kids. You can't have kids. You know what the doctors have said. Yeah? Doctors don't know nothing. I'm not having to go to doctors. I shouldn't be here today. Yeah, but there's a God that's bigger, there's a God that's greater. Doctors are mint, but our problem with society is that we think we know it all. I work in flooding, we know that we don't know it all about flooding. That's why I know that doctors don't know everything about everything, because I work with people that pretend to know about, think that they know everything, and then it never goes to plan. So I figure that happens in all walks of life, right? Because that's just how life is. But once we grab the fact that we don't know everything, but he does... Like we're never supposed to know everything. It's great to go and look for knowledge and try and find it. I'm not having a go. But just being all right with being okay with not knowing everything. We don't need to be a know-all. We will get attacked in our thinking. We will get attacked that, that waiting is a sign that God's not good. So I want to say stay on course. Yes. Jesus, stay in the boat. You know, if, the, if you think the boat's sinking, you know where the best place to be is the boat. You get stuck on the boat, it's always the biggest life raft that's going on, all that sort of stuff. Whatever your situation is, stay in the boat. If you jump out, you're more likely to drown. (laughs) Stay on course and stay on track. God's word, God's way. God's word, why? Because it's God's word. It's God's word. You know, whatever situation, I reckon, and that I guarantee, any situation that any of us have gone through, you can find something in the Bible that will help you through that situation. You'll find an example of someone, even if they've not been through exactly the same things, that there's, there's similarities the Bible is God's manual for how we get through life. We can, point, we can look at the Bible. You can Google it. You don't even have to know it. It's like, oh, it's the book of Esther. It's the book of you know, um, Ephesians or whatever. I'm just going through the E's. Uh, uh, Ecclesiastes. But um, <laughs> Exodus is probably a big one to remember there, isn't it? But uh, Google it. What does the Bible say? Bible verses about this. It's mint. There's so much stuff out there. Like, you can just get it. You can get these God's word, God's way. Because here's the thing, sometimes when we read the Bible, I heard this the other day as well, and it's so true, it's not the verses I don't understand that are painful, it's the verses that I do. (laughs) The ones that are really simple and black and white and like, okay, it really says that, there's no way of walking around that. Oh, no, no. Blessed are those who will wait for him. 
next point is this. Hope is on the way. During Advent, we're all waiting. We're all waiting for a child like Zechariah and Elizabeth were. And you need to know this. We've not been stood up. Some of you have been waiting on things for ages. And I want to say this morning, and if you're that's, that's you, if you're in that period of waiting, you've not been stood up by God. He's in the waiting. He's going to arrive. And finally, my last thought is this. The best is yet to come. Because when he does come, in the Christmas story, it's Jesus. It's not a prophet. It's not just another guy. It's Jesus. It's God in human form. And what Jesus brings with him is grace, forgiveness, and salvation, amongst other things. He brings healing. He brings power. He brings forgiveness. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they didn't just get a son. They got a prophet in their waiting. And they didn't just get any prophet. John the Baptist, he's the prophet that Jesus himself said this about. He said, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. While they've been waiting. Because this is what the Bible says in Ephesians as well. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. We think we want a son or a child. God's going to give you a prophet. God's going to give you more than you can ask or imagine. But he doesn't say he's going to give it to you when you want it. You've got to wait. And that waiting is about being in faith. And, and God, I know you're here. And we've got to take comfort from, from the Bible, from these stories, because we need to remember that whatever it is that you're going through, you've not been stood up by God. He's in the waiting. Who's had those financial testimonies? We've all had them where you've just been waiting and suddenly, just at the right time, somehow that money appears to you. Yeah. And you're thinking, why then? Yeah. I could have, done, could have done with knowing this was coming a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> that would, that, that I would have had fewer sleepless nights if that was here or if I knew that. And it's like, but it's there at the appointed time, at the right time, yeah. that he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 